Welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and electronic supply chain fields. I'm Mike Buto, Editor-in-Chief of PCDNF and Circuits Assembly. First, a word from today's sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by PCB East, the original conference and exhibition for printed circuit board design, fabrication, and assembly on the East Coast. Circle your calendars for June 15th to 17th in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Visit the website at pcbeast.com for information. My guest today is AJ Incorvaya. AJ is Executive Vice President of Siemens EDA, which is more familiarly, but no longer, known as Mentor. He's been with the company for more than eight years now. Wow, that's gone by fast, hasn't it? And he's spent more than 35 years in software engineering at OEMs and major EDA vendors. Welcome and Happy New Year, AJ. Thanks, Mike. Happy New Year to you as well. Thanks. I would like to talk today about the mainstream CAD market. And in our perception, it's seen its fair share of changes over the past few years. There's a trend by most, perhaps not all, vendors to bring sales in-house from their VARs or from external distribution channels. What, in your mind, is driving this trend? I think that there is a, um, you know, we're constantly looking at the kind of the way we go to market with with our products. And speaking for for Mentor, you know, certainly we're, we are going to continue to have a mix of direct channel and indirect channel. And a lot of it just has to do with the needs of the customers and also to with how we can best service those customers. So I don't necessarily think that that it's a particular trend that we're heading in one direction or heading in another direction. And it really varies by geography or by region. And even sometimes within a specific region, it's also going to vary by country. So there's, I think there's always going to be a mix of direct channel sales as well as indirect channel sales. And also too, I think the other thing that you're going to, you're going to see coming up shortly in the near future is, is also selling over the web and selling, you know, using, using a storefront where customers can go directly online and purchase uh, services that they need to augment their existing tool set. So I think you're going to, you're going to see this combination. It's going to be a little different depending on what region you're in, but I don't see us going away from that combination of the various channels. So if I could follow up about that, when you're talking about services uh, that you might be able to access via the web, what are we really, what are you getting at? What's an example? So I I don't think you're going to see desktop tools disappearing anytime soon, particularly for the core capabilities around things like schematic capture and PCB layout. But what we envision is, is we envision the ability to invoke what we call the connected desktop, where you can augment the technology that you have on the desktop with additional services. And these services might be in things like areas like collaboration, uh, basic data management, where you can have the ability, kind of the Dropbox capability, where you can store data that then other or other people or partners, other folks in your organization can easily access. We also think that there's a place for verification technology that can be used to augment a, uh, a desktop tool uh, for things like DFM or DFA analysis, or even in some cases, some verification technology around signal integrity. So, you know, if we look at the 
mainstream or SMB market, if you will, a lot of times these customers don't have the infrastructure that you need to implement some of these technologies. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to provide them with services where they can get up, up and running very quickly, where they can make use of the services that they need for their particular instance or their particular requirements without having to invest heavily in whether it be in setting up an environment for a signal integrity tool, for example, or whether it is to put in a lot of infrastructure to do things like collaboration and visualization. So would these be you know, time-based or perhaps event-based type of uh, arrangements? Again, you know, we really, we really haven't worked out exactly what the business model would be. I, I think it would be more of a subscription service where very much like Office 365, where you would be able to augment your desktop tools with things like being able to do online collaboration or being able to do uh, online verification. So I, I think right now what, what you're probably going to see is more in the way of subscription services. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee a day, and I know this is getting maybe a little bit far afield from the you know, the traditional mainstream market, but do you see a day when a, a Siemens EDA user could perhaps access an expert on the Siemens side for help with a particular design in a, partic- a particular technology? You know, there's some really interesting technology out there around being able to embed things like chat inside of your applications. You know, that's certainly technology that we're looking at. I do believe that if we are going to provide additional services, there is going to be a need for, at some point, for some type of of online consulting as well. And I think that that is something that there is a a set of users out there that that would be interested in something like that, where they could have a quick chat, maybe do a quick WebEx with an expert. And again, you know, whether we do that via a a subscription service or a pay-as-you-go service, that still needs to be determined. But yeah, I do think that there is a desire out there for those kinds of capabilities and services. You know, we we talked a little bit there about geography. The the ESD Alliance on January 11th announced the third quarter PCB and MCM software uh, data, and the numbers look really good up double digits uh, over uh, a year ago. And it's it's hard to tell, you know, maybe EDA, the SD doesn't necessarily track this. So it's a little hard to know where the growth is, whether it's coming from the enterprise segment or the mainstream segment. So let me just ask you, in your estimation, is the mainstream PCB CAD market growing in North America? When we look at the various market segments, we see growth throughout all of them. Certainly, there are different growths in different segments, different growths in different vertical market segments, you know, whether it be automotive or whether it be aerospace or a segment like medical. And while those numbers vary a little bit, um, we do see growth across across the board. And, and part of that is driven by the fact that we're starting to see electronics show up in all kinds of places. Certainly, everybody knows about the growth in areas like uh, uh, automotive around autonomous vehicles and electrical vehicles. Certainly, everybody everybody knows about the oncoming 5G and the requirements around that and, and the growth around that. 
high performance computing is another area where we we're, we're seeing a lot of growth but also to in areas that historically we may not have seen significant growth is starting to we're starting to see more and more electronics being embedded into products and these are things like white goods certainly around consumer devices so while you know there is you know the very high end of the market that is growing very nicely we also see some significant growth in places that we haven't historically seen a lot of growth like in in the industrial segment in the medical segment in uh, certainly in, in consumer and that's for mainstream tools yeah yeah across the board okay. i mean again again it's yeah. it's there are companies in each one of these segments that are using enterprise tools and then there are companies in these segments that are using mainstream tools so it's it's across the board and aj would you say the same holds true for europe and asia certainly again we we do see some very rapid growth in asia particularly driven by by china which i think is is no surprise i would say that japan on the mainstream side is a little soft right now Japan seems to be more the growth that we're seeing in Japan tends to be more on the enterprise side. And then in Europe it's it's again it's very similar to North America it's kind of across the board. We're certainly seeing some some growth in the enterprise side particularly with telecom and and uh and networking and automotive and then also too in the in the mainstream there is there is some growth there. Again varying by country. I think central Europe is growing uh faster than than southern europe but there was some growth there throughout over the past decade we've seen the arrival of several visible and vibrant electronics companies i would count them amazon tesla spacex blue origin now, amazon of course has been around longer than that but i think it didn't introduce the kindle until maybe about 2007 so what effect if any have the appearance of these fast growing companies changed the outlook for mainstream PCB CAD tools? I think it's kind of interesting what we see with the a lot of a lot of these kind of new players as you call them and and there are a couple of attributes to these guys that I think are actually very very good for the marketplace and let me explain. So one attribute is is that they they tend to be very fast moving companies and so they and they and because they tend to be new to the electronics industry they aren't stuck on doing things kind of what I'll call the old way right they are very innovative they're looking for innovative way to do things they are willing to break the mold if you will and i think that's really good for the industry because it 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 continues to push the edge of the envelope it continues to to drive us forward uh and then the other benefit that they bring to the market is is that in many cases they have pretty deep pockets right so not only are they willing to try new and innovative things but they also have the dollars to kind of back it up and to invest in trying those things and they they're kind of a category of what I'll call a fail fast companies where they'll try something and if it doesn't work then they're quick to move on to something else and again i think that's that's good on the one hand it kind of keeps us vendors on our toes because we have to try to try to keep up and try to make sure that we're providing them with the technology and capabilities that they need and on the other hand they're a lot of times they're very very good to work with because they're open to new ideas they're open to trying new ways of of doing things and so overall i think they've had a very positive effect on on the market 
are these fast growing startups starting and sticking with the mainstream tools or are they looking for higher functionality, more feature rich software? So I, I think they're following the classic pattern of they typically start off with what what we would call mainstream tools. It's a way for them to get into electronics design. They, in some cases, they start off by outsourcing the design and then they start bringing it in-house. But what they're finding very quickly, at least in the cases that we've seen and certainly in the conversations we've had with them, is that because they're growing so fast and they're bringing on new people at a rapid pace and growing the organization, they are quickly running out of steam with their mainstream environment. And it's not necessarily because the mainstream tools can't handle the product complexity. The problem is, is that the mainstream tools struggle when you get into large organizations and it's, they struggle with the organizational complexity of having multiple people work on a design at the same time, having to develop standardized pieces of IP, whether they be libraries or whether they be reuse blocks. Also having to integrate things like the mechanical side of the house with the electrical side of the house. And when you get into all of these kinds of issues, the mainstream portfolio that they currently have is just not sufficient. And so now they're looking in a lot of cases, they're starting to move over or already have moved over to what we would consider a more enterprise environment where you can have, where you have to invest more in infrastructure, but they're willing to make that investment. And they're also, because they, they're very, very conscious about working with other organizations, other groups in their organization. Also too, they're very concerned about how do I get into manufacturing? How do I optimize that path into manufacturing? And so there are a lot of other aspects to it that they have to now worry about, which kind of brings them into more of an enterprise environment. Got it. The next question may be difficult to to answer because I'm not really sure the you know how granular your insight is to some of your customers. You clearly have a good handle on the market segments that they are applying your tools to, but this kind of gets into program starts. In your estimation, is the general trend toward lower layer count boards or higher end, more high, which I'm defining as kind of highly dense, very high speed and high layer count boards? You know, do you see a trend one way or the other? Again, it, it really varies across the board. It, certain market segments have certain types of designs that they're focused on right now. You know, I mean, if you look at the networking market, if you look at the telecom, if you look at a lot of some of the, even some of the automotive designs that we're starting to see out there, certainly high performance computing, you see very dense designs, high layer counts, large designs, large form factors, larger form factors. But then if you look at some of the other the other market segments, you know, we're starting to see quite a bit of miniaturization with very, very dense designs. So it does it does vary across the board. And again, it it's not necessarily specific to the the size of the company. Like I said, we have some users that are very, very small companies that are doing very, very high-end technology. And then we have some larger customers in some areas like industrial or some of the other segments where they're doing less sophisticated designs, not necessarily easy designs, but I would call less sophisticated designs. So it really, it kind of, I don't necessarily see a particular trend. Well, there was for a little while, we did see quite a bit of flex 
technology out there that's kind of leveled off as well. We're not seeing kind of the, the industry segments that are using Flex have kind of, we, we kind of know who they are. The one area where, where I would say is starting to become a trend, particularly with customers that are doing more sophisticated designs, is we're seeing a lot more interest in having more of a co-design between the board and the package and the silicon that goes into the board. And so that's an area where we certainly see that trend happening, where even some smaller customers are coming to us and saying, hey, you know, I want to be able to to make sure that the piece of silicon, this piece of custom silicon that I'm designing is going to work in the context of this design and, and I have certain performance parameters around the package that have to be met. And so what can you do to help me make sure that the package and the board can be designed in coordination with each other? So that's a great segue into what I wanted to ask about next. What are the main drivers of mainstream tool development and improvements? Is it coming from specific customer need or are you looking, you know, maybe anticipating five, seven years down the road and trying to predict where the industry is going to go and start heading in that direction now? One of the things that we see, particularly in the mainstream market, and maybe this is a leading indicator, it's hard to tell right now, but we're starting to see design engineers becoming more and more involved in trying to design more of the electronics than we saw in the past, right? In the past, you had a lot of specialists that would do one specific task and then hand it off to the next specialist who would do that specific task. And so one of the things that we are definitely seeing a need for and, and, and is an area that we're investing in quite a bit is around the whole user experience, right? Making sure that the tools are more intuitive to use, making sure that a what I'll call a an occasional user can be up and running very, very quickly. We also want to try to take some of the technology, particularly in the verification space, that has historically been limited to design experts. And how do we take that technology and put it on an engineer's desktop so that they can have access to those capabilities without being an expert? Now, that's not to say that the need for the expert goes away. But what you want to do is you want to make sure that the expert is working on the really, really difficult problems and that the the basic signal, whether they be signal integrity, whether they be analog design, or whether they be verification, other verification problems, that those are being worked on by the design engineer. But in order to do that, they have to have tools that are intuitive to use. They have to have tools that can help guide them in determining what the solution to the problem is, because they may not be necessarily be an expert in that space. So that's a trend that, that we're definitely seeing. And I think that trend is going to hit the mainstream market first because that's where we're starting to see design engineers take on more and more uh, responsibility for the uh, the entire design. So that's an excellent point. You know, we've talked for years about the graying of the industry, and I'm not really sure what the opposite of that is. Is that the blonding of the industry, the browning of the industry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a red, so you know. <laughs> um, but as engineers take over a predominant share of board layout and placement responsibilities, and they do so in conjunction with other job responsibilities, do you think that they will be more or less predisposed to using mainstream tools, or is it really even part of the equation? 
we, we don't really look at it that way, right? We really look at it in terms of, of capabilities. Uh, one of the things I will say I think is important that I probably should have mentioned earlier is, particularly for the companies we talked about earlier, that it's not unusual to start off with a mainstream tool, right? And one of the things I think that is important is having scalability and having the, the capability of being able to move from what would be considered a mainstream tool into more of a enterprise tool seamlessly and being able to to um, make sure that the data is compatible, make sure that you can reuse the, that IP, whether it be libraries or, or reuse blocks, uh, making sure that the processes that you have in place um, and the other tools that you have around the design flow uh, can be carried along with you so that you're not, you're not starting from scratch. Uh, and so again, it's, I think what you're going to see over time is a lot of capabilities that historically we thought of as enterprise capabilities are going to w- make their way throughout, regardless of whether you're in this mainstream market or or you you're in this you're in this enterprise market. Those same capabilities are going to be necessary. I think the difference is going to be is things like how customized do you want to make those capabilities? How deep do you need to go with those capabilities? And like I said, I don't think the need for specialists are going to go away. But what you're going to see over time is those specialists are going to focus more and more on the really difficult problems that really require their level of expertise. And then the rest of it is going to be the responsibility of a design engineer. And so in order to enable that, we have to make sure that our tools are more intuitive to use and are easier to to be managed by, by an occasional user. In your view, does the existing market, both in terms of the size and the and the margins, the profit margins, support long-term development of mainstream tools that are both easier to learn, as you've gotten, you know, you've mentioned multiple multiple times, and that keep pace with the features that the users are asking for? So, I mean, I, I, I understand that you could probably leverage some of your your, your higher-end technology by pushing it down across you know the pads or other software but for for things that may be unique to to mainstream tools are the revenues and profits supporting development i think they are i mean i mean sometimes we underestimate how many mainstream users there are out there right there are there are a lot of design engineers so so you can certainly amortize the cost of development over over a large number of of design engineers i, I again though i think the key is making sure that you know, we have technology that's scalable across the markets and that while there are some specific needs that mainstream users have in terms of being able, you know, wanting to have more of a, a simpler solution, a lot of that core and a lot of that base technology is the same. We do have the ability to develop quite a bit of technology that is is usable throughout the entire design flow. I also think that there's a lot of things that we can do to augment the design flow in in other areas, things like supply chain integration, things like being having access to better access to libraries, being able to provide more capabilities in terms of making sure that the design can get into manufacturing properly. And those are things that are those are capabilities that are applicable across all the market segments. I think you, you started that a few years ago with DigiKey, correct? Yeah, so we do have a component portal called ParkQuest, 
which is actually undergoing quite a bit of enhancement to it. Um, so, you, so over the next several months, we'll be releasing more technology in the ParQuest family around being able to access things like libraries, models, and other pieces of technology that we'll have up there. Is it important that Siemens have that capability in-house, or is it more important that you're able to interface with the, I'll say, the the lion's share of the third parties that offer that kind of functionality? When when you say third party, you're talking about what kind of company? Other companies. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, st- standalone uh, other EDA vendors or component distributors, companies outside of Siemens that you know, might offer all the IBIS models, the, uh, the land patterns, the STR, you name it. In the past, we partnered with some of these companies. I think you mentioned uh, DigiKey. We also had a partnership with Schematics. Um, so there are other companies that we would definitely partner with. We don't have to, from a, a, an IP or, or from the models perspective or from the parametric data perspective, uh, a lot of that data is provided by other parties. The key for us is to make sure that we have real-time access to that data so that we can present that supply chain data to an engineer on their desktops from within the tool, right? We don't, we, we don't want to have to have the design engineer leave the tool, go to some other portal, look up the data, and then have to come back. So that, it, it's that integration that we're interested in, not necessarily in owning the data per se. Great. Well, I know I threw a lot of questions at you today, AJ, and I want to thank you for your time. Mike, it was a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and I, I really appreciate uh, I think it was a, a great discussion, and, and it's always good to get your insights into the market as well. My guest today has been Siemens Electronic Board Systems Executive Vice President, A.J. Incovaya. Today's podcast has been sponsored by PCB East, the original conference and exhibition for the printed circuit board design, fabrication, and assembly industry on the East Coast. This year's show takes place June 15 to 17 in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Visit PCBEast.com for information. This is Mike Buteau for PCB Chat. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm.